Welcome to Casting That Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I am here with the always awesome and very well-prepared um, cohort of mine, Dave Rudat, Pastor Rudat. And today may just be our last show because today we are dealing with cancel culture. The focus of our show is you're canceled. Uh, what do we do in this in this culture in which we live where where everything we don't agree with, everything that, that we don't like um, seems to just sort of disappear if, if we are complaining about it enough and bring it to the forefront. So tune in as we have an opportunity to uh, once again discuss some some probably very relevant topics uh, for our our generation and for our time today. But before we do that, I would like to turn some of the airwaves over to Pastor Rudat, who has some wonderful words so that we can sort of save ourselves from disgrace. Uh, well, dear friend, we you are about to listen to a conversation between two confessional Lutheran pastors. You are welcome in. You can uh, join the conversation, talk to us about what we talked about today. Uh, you can Facebook us. You can email us at, uh, what is it? What's the email again? Castingnetspod at gmail.com. Or, or you had before said they can contact us at any of our personal emails, so I give you mine. Uh, it is pastor at com. if you want to contact me through through the church email as well. Yeah, and my email address is pastor.rudot at gmail.com. So it's a conversation between two uh, confessional Lutheran pastors, and it in no way reflects the official doctrine of our churches, our church bodies that uh, that we are a part of. Because we're just thinking out loud, we're uh, looking at a topic. I didn't wasn't given any homework by Will. He was nice to me. He just said, "Come in," and then I had to come up with my own uh, work. And so we'll see if uh, see if it, it matches. If we have a conversation together, I'm really looking forward to uh, the things that we toss around. But on the other hand, we're just uh, tossing ideas around. Maybe some of the uh, something will stick. Maybe not. Maybe it's an opinion that we will continue to hold by the end of the podcast, or maybe we'll change our mind. But either way, you are welcome here. You're welcome to leave. You're welcome to uh, play us at 1.25 speed. Uh, you are welcome to listen to something else that we talked about, uh, because you are free, friend. Welcome back to the show. Um, before we begin, it's it's probably you know not a figment of our imagination that we live in a culture, society right now that um, <clears throat> cancels everything, um, and it seems that way. You know, I used to think that it was just all the good shows that I liked to watch on TV that would end up canceled. Um, you know, I used to be a big fan of of the the TV show Chuck, and and my wife and I used to watch that regularly, and and then they had the whole writers dispute, and and then they ended up. 
uh, finding out that CBS canceled Chuck. And we were very depressed about that because we, we really enjoyed that show. Um, you know, for those who, who remember maybe back in the day, MASH. You know, MASH got canceled after a while. Um, you know, MASH got didn't get canceled. They finished the run. They just finished the run. Then it was canceled. <laughs> but they're, they're, we we live in this culture where where sometimes you know we we get used to to things getting canceled, right? You know, the the things we like the most. But it seems like um, over the last couple of weeks, and maybe it's just me, but over the last couple of weeks, maybe even maybe even the last I don't know if a year, maybe a year. Or, or more, it seems to be more prevalent that things are just getting canceled. I think uh, I, one of us, one of the things we need to also realize, this whole idea of canceling things is not new. And for Christians, maybe we are thinking this is a new thing because it's happening to us. But we are forgetting that in history, uh, whether it's in ancient history or in recent history, Christians did the exact same thing. We didn't have social media or Twitter, but we did advocate uh, for uh, or tried to promote our ideology in the culture that is around us. Uh, Will, you had uh, um, you had talked to me before the show here about uh, in in the past with the Roman Catholic Church and and the Presbyterians. Could you talk more about that? Well, yeah, I, I think first of all, we, we need to have an understanding of what cancel culture is and what it isn't. Cancel culture is is really a removal of um, a, a questionable ideology or a, a thought that, that we find objectionable. Uh, and, and it's usually done to people in public. Um, it's it's not like a private thing. It's it's done in public. This is we don't like this, and so we're going to get a bunch of support to boycott you, um, to cancel you, to to get some organized outcry, to shun you or or guilt you into into whatever we would like to do, and and bringing up that this is this was like the this was the the very mode of operation for I hate to say it for for Christendom. For hundreds of years, um, I mean, the, the the Catholic Church was notorious for if we don't like what you say, then it won't be true. Um, Galileo, if I remember correctly, you know, saying uh, hypothetically saying, I think the world's round, um, which it is, but the Catholic Church said no, and 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 I mean, boycotted him, canceled him. Um, I mean, and then we then it's proven, yes, you know. The world is round. Um, you was had Copernicus, uh, probably before him. You can right. look it up. See, I, I'll, I'll Google I mean, it while you're talking. There you go. See, we have these devices that we have capabilities now that that while you talk, you can look up and and it does wonders for our abilities to to communicate. Um, but <clears throat> this this cancel culture, right? Where where even in the early church, um, opinions that we didn't like or thoughts that we didn't like or Attitudes that we we found abrasive, we we canceled, and we've we've removed them from society. Um, the the Catholic Church at one point during the Holy Roman Empire was notorious for if they didn't like what a political person was doing, they excommunicated them for political reasons, not spiritual ones. I'm sorry, Will. You are right. Yes. Please forgive me. Yes, it is on recording. I have it. Everyone has heard it. I am He's right. He's going to cut and paste that as the uh, <laughs> as his ringtone. Whenever whenever I call him, it's just going to be. I, well, I'm sorry, Will. You're right. That's going to be his new ringtone for me. <laughs> that I, I that is a great idea. Um, but but even going into the United States, um, and I and I think this is something that we should probably recognize in the United States. So so 
predominantly the way the Catholic Church enacted and, and early Christendom reacted was was a European thing. But in the Catholic Church, um, as as the Catholic Church was was waning, and and you had Protestant churches that were growing in Europe, they were starting to apply the same rules, and people were fleeing from that. And so you had um, you had many people, pilgrims and whatever else, that came over um, to the New World to the United States, and. And many of the things that they were fleeing from, which was cancel culture, I mean, by a different name, it, it was, they, they called it a uh, stifling of religious freedom or, or whatever you want to call it. But what they, they were fleeing from, they brought with them and they established their own towns and they established their own communities and they did the exact same thing that they were, they were against. The only difference is, is they did it according to their own set of morals, their own set of rules, their own set of desires, and, and they justified it because the majority of people agreed with them. And and so I think this is where cancel culture really has its its play within history, is, is that it's okay if you can get a lot of people to agree with you, then you're like, I'm justified in canceling it. And if I don't have the people, or if I'm now in the minority of people who agree with that, then then we become offended that they're that they're canceling, <clears throat> and and I think this is this is the this is the pushback that we have. Yeah, and I think it's not just a, a matter of trying to find the, what the majority uh, opinion is what they want, but the idea of exerting power, like we can influence uh, the culture around us. If we're the minority, we're trying to influence. The majority to believe the same thing that we do and uh, this was in play for Christians not just in ancient history as we talked about with the Roman Catholics and the Presbyterians and coming over to the United States but in recent history uh, can anyone remember the evangelicals burning books in the 1990s or uh, when we were railing on Hollywood stars for their for and blaming them for the moral decay of America we were trying to uh, uh, influence their careers, these Hollywood stars' careers, by our the words that we were saying about them, that they were um, responsible for the moral decay of America. Uh, in the 1989, we had a, a boycott of Walden Books because of some of the books that they were publishing. Um, there was a boycott of Teletubbies because one of the Tubbies was uh, maybe had a questionable lifestyle. So uh, this is a, something that is... In our past, in our Christianity's past, if we would uh, lump us together with the rest of Christians, um, so we have to admit that this is something that we have tried to do in the past. It's just now it seems like cancel culture is directed toward Christianity and Christian values. I, I think we were right, by the way, in canceling Teletubbies. Teletubbies. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> that sure. That and Barney. <laughs> <laughs> But as at but I think you're right, and and I think the the point that we have to the maybe to to sort of focus our conversation for today and to 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 help give us guidance into the future is realizing and recognizing <clears throat> that there are some fundamental issues with with the idea of cancel culture, and some of the fundamental issues of cancel culture, um, and and we were talking about this before the show, um, is the lack of standards. Um, there's no um. There's no objective standard by which it's compared and then said, okay, according to this standard, it can't exist. Therefore, this topic has to be rejected. 
um, there, there is no standard that, that it goes up against and, and sees, is it justified to, to remain? Is the idea justified to exist or, or does it, is it damaging and therefore need to be removed? Um, and, and so maybe, maybe let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about what our society has become that, um, has removed the standards and why, why this has become a problem now in, in how this cancel culture has formed in, in what we're dealing with today. Yeah, it, it, the standard definitely is moving and, uh, it's hard to keep up. I, I know just from personal experience, my family and I like to watch movies and one of the movies together. And one of the movies we watched was on the uh, TV channel called Bounce, which is usually geared toward African Americans, and the show that we watched was Aquila and the Bee. It was a story about an African American girl and winning the spelling bee and all of the adversities that she had to overcome. It was a beautiful movie talking about how um, sometimes the way that people learn is different than the way that they have learned in the past. And so Aquila was really an example of how she learned these words. She really used her community uh, to to help her to learn the words that she needed to spell. But then I read reviews on it, and it was just tearing this movie apart because, one, it uh, had a negative portrayal of Asian Americans, which, okay, there were an Asian American parents on there, and they were pushing their child to do well. I suppose it could be a portray that could be a portrayal of of uh, of, of of an a- Asian stereotype. And then there was other complaints that they're saying, well, they're just trying to get her to succeed according to the white culture instead of succeed according to the black culture. And so that's just a, 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 a an, another example of the standard moving. This is a show that's on a t- television show, television network that is geared toward African-Americans. And it's still saying, well, it's not African-American enough or it's not advancing the cause enough. Uh, and that can be very frustrating for any individual living under that. Where Where is the line going to move? What Am I going to get canceled next? And perhaps that's part of the fear of the cancel culture is we don't know where it is going. Well, and I and, and just to say <clears throat> to our listeners, because I, I think it's important for them to, to understand, is, um, you know, when, when when someone works with a stereotype, and, and I know we live in a culture now where, where stereotypes are bad, a stereotype isn't bad. It it what it is is it's this is the general trend of we're not making a judgment call on a person. We're saying okay the 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 people of this certain background generally do X Y Z. Okay, they generally do this. So if that's the case, that's a stereotype. So. Here's a stereotype. I'm Irish, okay? So so now you can crucify me for being Irish for many other things, but but one of the things that we are known for is eating potatoes. Why? Because that was the mainstay in Ireland. We we ate potatoes. I I mean, when I was growing up, that that was still the thing. We were a very Irish family. We had potatoes every night. Many uh, you you would be surprised how many ways you can make potatoes. But that's that that I mean, is that a stereotype? Yes, it is. Do we often, you know, do Irish people now only eat potatoes? Of course not. But did we? Was that like the mainstay? Yes. What drove people from Ireland, uh, you know, when they came over here was the potato famine because they ran out of potatoes and they had to come somewhere else to get food. Um, I mean, this is just a, I, I'm just saying stereotypes are not 
yes, some stereotypes are are ones that we try to remove because they're not good stereotypes, and and I would I'm in favor of those things, but they're they're stereotypes because the general background of a culture of people has done those things, and they and they became part of of the. Now we have misused those. I, I'll grant you. But, but I think that's part of that fear where you've said where, where we've taken those things where our culture has been comfortable in living and they've become the stereotype and now we are afraid because maybe we, we've lived up to or down to those stereotypes and we're being called out on them. And, 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 and I think you're right. The standard is always changing, but I think the standard is changing not because the stereotypes are right or wrong, they could be, but I think the standard is changing because the gauge of truth is no longer there. And, and I think this is where cancel culture today has has really kind of played into post-modernity or, or the post-modern thought, which is truth is relative. It, it's not, there's, there's no... Um, there's no absolute right or wrong. There is what I feel and what I feel is the truth for me. And how dare you tell me anything different? And I think that's where where we have to start looking at that idea and saying, okay, first, before we can start talking about any standard, we got to talk about truth. And, and what is truly truth and what isn't truth and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And until we can come to terms with until we can come to some framework of that, everything is up for grabs to be canceled. Yeah, the uh, we are pattern recognition machines. We look for patterns. We try to live our lives according to a pattern, and uh, we're trying to associate with people according to what we know about them. And sometimes some of that information is based on their skin color or with their background. And uh, in this in our use of being a pattern recognition machine, we're going to get it wrong because we have inside of us a sinful nature. Um, not only are we by nature racist, but we're by nature bigots. Uh, first Peter, that was talk- mine. I'm, I'm, that was mine. <laughs> hey, I you added took that. my idea, and I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't come in and say, "You took my idea, Will Harley." <clears throat> well, you should have. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Uh, anyway, uh, Peter talks about that in First Peter 2, verse 1, when he says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So Peter says this of everybody. He's talking to you and me, to everybody of his generation. He can have the confidence that, he can, that, that every one of us struggles with malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander because we have a sinful nature. Yeah, and and I think you know Paul also says to to Timothy as 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 and he brings up the sinful nature, but here's another a part where he does it in, in Second Timothy chapter four, right? Um, he he very much reminds us that uh, there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine, so they're not going to put up with what is truly truth. And and notice what he says. He says instead, because they have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires. They will also turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Yeah, we don't want to face the truth that we are all bigots, that we all have the capacity for being racist and uh, looking at people at the color of their skin and looking down at someone because they have a different culture than us or that they have a different background from us. We don't want to face that truth. We want to face the truth that we're enlightened 
and that we've been educated that we don't have that problem. Just everybody else has the problem. Everybody else is, is not as intelligent as we are because we're pretty smart. But the truth that uh, uh, you, you've talked about and what Peter has talked about is that we all have a sinful nature and we don't want to hear that. So we'd rather hear something else. Well, and, and that's exactly it. And I think, and, and the reason for that is, and, and you, you touched on it, our sinful nature in and of itself is inverted upon itself. Um, and, and so the sinful nature will look at only what is benefit to, what is benefit to me and benefit to, to my future well-being, even though in its pursuit of what is benefit to me and my future well-being does nothing but destroy myself and future well-being. Um, it is, it's kind of a very cruel, cruel circle in how it's trapped in, in its way. But, but my sinful nature wants to cancel things that, that I don't feel comfortable dealing with. And, and the reality is... I don't feel very comfortable seeing my shortfalls. I don't feel very comfortable seeing where I, where, like you said, I am a, I'm a hater. I'm a bigot of, of people who don't agree with me. Um, my sinful nature feels very uncomfortable being called a, a person who is intolerant um, because I live in a world filled with the idea of tolerance and tolerance. And I'll say, well, I am tolerant of everyone. And then in, in whispers of everyone that agrees with what I have to say. Um, but, but the reality is that that's, that's not the framework of truth in which, in which God has established. And, and, and we have allowed the lies and, 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 and the philosophies of the world to encroach upon what truly is ours to, to have and to hold in the gospel. Um, Paul in Colossians says these words in, in, in chapter two, verse eight, he says, so, or see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, which are in accord with human tradition, namely the basic principles of the world, but not in accord with Christ. And I think it explains what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we look inside ourselves and say, okay, this is how I feel. And if feelings become the, the standard by which we cancel or not, if it becomes the the standard by which we we signal what virtues are good and what aren't, we we now have this wave that goes up and down, up and down, and tosses from left to right all the time, um, and there's no standard whatsoever. At least that's where I'm seeing it. Yeah, and that's not to say that the Christian can't grow like we're, we're we're not to say that okay you are you have these racist tendencies that that there is no hope for you that now you must uh just sit there and gravel and get your talking to um, by other groups uh that uh, want to have the floor christians should have a a desire to strive to be better than they are and that desire is given to us through the gospel as we are reminded that we are all part of a human race, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by Jesus. And so we strive to be better at what we are. We strive, we say, I, I struggle with these things, but I look at somebody else and I know that there is a desire inside of me that says that they're different than I am, so therefore they're less than me. I strive to look at them and say they these these are from the same human race that Jesus uh, that I am from and that the same human race that Jesus died for on the cross. 
And I, I really think if we're looking at uh, cancel culture, there really is no room for this kind of thinking. There is no room for growth. You have to have the right sensibilities now or you have to have the right sensibilities then that we have now. There just isn't any room for growth. Uh, um, we're looking at uh, Abraham Lincoln and saying, well, he was, he was a racist, everybody. And we're like, of course he was. He was a product of his time. Uh, yes, he freed the slaves, but he, that doesn't mean that he had the same sensibilities of people who are living in 2021. You watch television shows. One of the television shows I like to watch in the morning is uh, Have Gun, Will Travel. So it's a story of Paladin. And, and at that time in the 1950s or 60s or whatever, whenever it was, he was someone who was very cultured. You know, he spoke Chinese. He spoke uh, uh, Spanish. And uh, but still, someone could look at that show and say, you know, there's lots of lots of racial stuff going on in that show. The hey boy, his sidekick, is Chinese, and so he's fitting the stereotypes of the Chinese people. And I'll, I'll I'll grant that I'll grant that it doesn't have the same sensibilities in 2021, but it had very different sensibilities from the time that it was produced. And 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 you know what, I, I want to bring up two. According to to what you're saying, I want to maybe make two two connecting comments. The first comment is as Christians, Dave, as you said, we are called to be something different. And, and I would just say that, that if we as Christians, um, when someone who is an unbeliever looks at our life and doesn't see a difference, something's wrong. Um, so if we are, if we are participating in this absurdity of cult, a cancel culture, uh, on all areas, not just on the things that make us reactive, but on all areas, if we are engaging in this cancel culture, and and we are and and we are condoning it in one area and condemning it in another area, like condoning it when we want it and condemning it when someone else does it, the unbeliever is looking at that and saying, "You're no different than I am," and there's something wrong with that. That there is something truly wrong with that, because and and then here's leading into my second comment. My second comment is that that really the the only cancel culture, if you want to want to call it that, the only cancel culture that should exist, especially within the church, is absolution. That that that's the only cancel culture that should exist within the the space and scope of the church. And and for those who are listening who don't know what absolution is, absolution is the forgiveness of sins. Where, where God from his throne in heaven through Jesus Christ, his son, says, I remember your sins no more. That's cancel. That, that they're canceled. That, that's cancel culture. Um, they are a te- they're a detestable thing. They are horrible in my sight. Um, I have now removed them. They're gone. Um, because of what his son has done. And, and, and that is the only, the only thing that, that really should exist in our midst. Um, now, now, that being said, we can't deny that 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 we have to come back to the standard. There has to be a standard by which things are marked as sins, and and I think this is this is, we've said it before on our show, and we'll continue to say it over and over again because it's the truth. That standard can't be found within us. Um, that that standard has to be uh, objective. It has to be something outside of us, given from from one who is more holy than us and perfect more perfect than us yeah um 
I would certainly agree that absolution is the one thing missing from the cancel culture that we're seeing around. We're seeing a lot of people giving apologies. We're, giving, we're seeing apologies that are really remorseful. And then we're seeing people who are just not absolving. And that's not how God designed confession and absolution to work, that you would just say you're sorry, and then the other person exerts control and power over you. And the way that God designed it was that we would forgive. And the forgiveness is what empowers you to be different. Uh, how do you change? How can you change from, wh from what you are if you're burdened with guilt of the past? I think of that uh, with our, in our, our own house, my daughter having difficulty getting up in the morning and uh, she forgot some things for school on Monday. And so she was very remorseful, said she was sorry. We said we forgave her and we said, now for the rest of the week, you're going to stay, you're going to be the first one that gets ready to go. You're going to be the first one at the, the breakfast table every, every day. And she was very faithful at that. No problems whatsoever. And I know the only way that she could have done that is because that she was forgiven. Uh, the guilt wasn't her mo her motivation, but so often times, guilt is our motivation, and it is not the way that God designed it. God designed it for absolution because the gospel is the only thing that's going to move us to to uh, do what is right. Uh, and and I you know, guilt can only motivate so long. Um, can it really change a heart? Right? No, it 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 can't. And and I think. And I think honestly, in our society today, you're you're having the opposite effect. Um, you you are um, you are producing in people a false humility. It's producing in people a false sense of shame. I would say. Um, I don't know their names, and I I frankly don't care. Um, I, I would say the potential for false sense of shame or false sense right of guilt. for the potential for it. And as I said before, I I'm I'm. I'm not a fan of The Bachelor. I don't care about the show at all. Um, but but I know that there was this whole case about about one of the winners of The Bachelor. Um, she had been at a sorority party or something like that, where they she had dressed up like someone from from a time period in the past where there was slavery in the South and uh, antebellum slave ante, something like that, and. Uh, um, the bachelor that she had, had apparently won. I mean, there's so many other things wrong with the bachelor, by the way. Um, but apparently she had won. And, and so the, the whole thing is, is that they're supposed to get engaged and they're supposed to get married. But the, the guy that was the bachelor was African-American and he was offended. And, and so they canceled her. And then the guy who was the host of the show had defended her and said, well, you know, this is just a party. And so he was canceled. And then they had them all on a show and I saw this through news news briefings, but they had them all on a show where where this young woman, um, she apologizes, and and she says, "I'm sorry, I didn't think about it. Um, that was three years ago, however many years ago. Um, I I I didn't I didn't really think about what I was doing. Um, I didn't understand the consequences that it may have." And and she says to the gentleman that that was the bachelor that she was supposed to have been in love with or whatever. Um, how, how ashamed I am that, that I guess I didn't have my 2020 future glasses on and, and, and understand what was going to happen. Um, if I am put in a position where, where I fell in love with somebody of that culture. And the thing that was the most appalling was one, 
I'm not going to say if her if that was a true um, if, if that was a true form of repentance or not. I, I can't judge that. But but the appalling thing was the response. I, I mean, for one, I felt it was choreographed and 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 just nonsense. But two, it was. I mean, to boil it down, he looked at her and said, "Well, I loved you once, but now I can't forgive you, and you'd have more growing to do." There, there is something within this culture that removes redemption. It, it, it just redemption is no longer able to 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 be a part of the conversation, and and that redemption is a part of of the absolution, that you are redeemed, that that you are bought back, that that the the, the relationship that once was is is able to to grow again. Um, and you had mentioned growth, that, that, that there is no growth in cancel culture. And you're right because there's no redemption. There's, there's no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I mean, that, that is just, that hurts. I, I think it hurts on, on so many multiple levels. And I don't know where to go with that other than to say, when there's no redemption in the world, right? When when redemption has been moved f- away from the table, the the only thing that remains is shame and guilt. And so, here, what's your reaction? What's going to be the reaction if only shame and guilt are left? Um, more depression, more anger, more hatred, more bigotry. For everyone, right? It's going to go the opposite direction, right? Um, because because if I can't, if there's no way for this to be better, and I'm not saying you can fix it, but if there's no way for this to be better, then the alternative is it's okay for it to get worse. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I what one of the things we're we're already starting to see that we're seeing people get canceled and instantly they get rich and you go wait 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 well that that wasn't the that wasn't the purpose we have Dr. Seuss the company that made Dr. Seuss Day of their own free will they consulted with uh, teachers and so on and they they pulled six of Dr. Seuss's books and they're the earlier books and if you've looked at some of those books you would say yeah that does that's not the Dr. Dr. Seuss that I remember from Green Eggs and Ham that's not the Dr. Seuss that I remember from the Cat in the Hat uh there's some stuff in there that's just not appropriate for 2021 in our sensibilities they pulled those books and then at the response instead of saying maybe we should rethink how we portray people of different uh skin cultures the response was, well, I'm going to buy as many Dr. Seuss books as I can possibly buy. Or uh, there was a country music star, or Morgan Wallen, who had some, I, I'm not exactly sure, it, I was looking at a website of a list of canto culture gone wrong, and he said, I think it was some sort of ethnic slur, and then all of a sudden now he his record sales go through the roof, and probably maybe one record was bought because I bought, I just mentioned Morgan Wallen or one Seuss, Dr. Seuss book was bought <laughs> because I mentioned Dr. Seuss. It, it's, that's not, that's not the intended side effect. That's the side effect that you were talking about where it's just uh, fueling more hatred, more bigotry, more uh, people getting into their fortresses and lobbing uh, artillery at each other. Well, yeah. And, and what it does is it, it takes, and I like how you make that illustration of, of, of people getting into their, um, 
their fortresses and lobbying because what you're doing is you're you're polarizing the the cancel culture and and this is what the sinful nature does in general that's its desire and that's why it sets mother against against child and father against against children um families are raging against each other because what it does is it polarizes you and says okay if you don't agree with my standard of what I deem to be right, then you're wrong, and I push back. And as I push back, other people who who agree with you will rally to your banner without seeing the point in what was made. Now, like in, in the case of Dr. Seuss, any company has the right to say, we're just not going to produce something anymore. That's I, I, It's been virtue signaled as cancel culture, it's not really cancel culture. Maybe the reason why they did it was because, like you said, the sensibilities of 2021 probably aren't okay. I get it. So they just said, we're not going to print it anymore. That's, that's not a big deal. The cancel culture came when the backlash um, for people who said, I have this book and I want to sell it on eBay. Now eBay can't sell it. eBay is a brokerage firm for people to sell stuff individually. It's like saying, you know, we're going to go and hunt down every single yard sale in the entire United States. And if we find one of those Dr. Seuss books, we're shutting that yard sale down. Um, that's essentially what they did because eBay is like one big yard sale. That, that's, that's what eBay is. And, and I think we, what we've done in our culture is we've taken, we've taken free license from the people who can say, I don't want to print this or I want to print this. And we have now made arbitrary standards that said, if you don't agree with the outrage and backlash, if you don't follow in these certain ways and and cater to our whims, we are going to destroy you as a business. Now, okay, any business can make any decision they want. I don't, I don't care. That's their, they own the business. They have the right to do that. So if if Amazon doesn't want to sell a certain product, fine, they don't have to. That's their business. If if eBay says, okay, we're going to control certain substances or certain items and we're just going to say, even though we're one big yard sale, we're not going to sell certain things. Fine, be that way. But, but if it's powered by this reaction to this, this non-standard outcry of intolerance when everyone's saying be tolerant, be tolerant, be tolerant, but only be tolerant of what I want you to be tolerant of. And if you don't agree with me, then it's intolerance. Come on. This is, this is, this is stupid. This is stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm tired of sugar, sugarcoating it. It's just stupidity. Well, it's the sinful nature, right? The, the sinful nature is not a very smart guy uh, or gal. The sinful nature is He's something. He's a Neanderthal. <laughs> Neanderthal. <laughs> Just uh, why I mean, we talk about that in catechism class all the time, where where we talk to our kids and say, you know, our sinful nature just says whatever God says. Their sinful nature says no. It's going to go the opposite way because God has it that way. So if we have the idea of uh, trying to do trying to cause people to grow through. Uh, confession and absolution that they would grow towards each other and grow to for the betterment of their brother or sister even that even if that brother or sister is a different skin color than they are the sinful nature wants to fight against that in any way that it possibly can and it does some ridiculous responses to um, the cancel culture one of the other 
ridiculous responses to the cancel culture is um, brands that gravitate toward low-cost, high-noise signals. Like we think of uh, Mr. Potato Head taking the Mr. out of potato. Like is that really helping our society move better in a better direction or is it just one con- one company virtue signaling or Dove uh, removing normal from its labels so that none of their shampoos are called or for normal hair. Is that really helping our, our conversation that we're in this uh, high powered conversation where we've got everybody in their fortresses lobbying ammunition back and forth? Is that really going to help the situation or not? Or is it just a company trying to take some sort of uh, low cost, high noise signal? Well, you know, and and I don't know. You were you were talking, and and it got my brain going down a different rabbit trail. And um, um, I'm going to say two things. One of them is probably going to be very offensive, and the other one is is not so much. The first thing that's going to be very offensive to some tender ears is grow a thick skin. I mean, seriously, grow a thick skin. I mean. I, I'm I'm sorry, but you know, um, not everything is an attack against you. Not everything is personal. Um, some things are just things, um, and and that brings me to my other comment, which is this is an eighth commandment issue. I, I mean, all day long, this is this is an eighth commandment issue, isn't it? Um, where where you're dealing with with saying things in the nicest possible and taking things in the nicest possible way. Um, okay, so you brought up we're not going to put normal in there you know what? Everyone's unique. I get it. We're we're all like a snowflake and we're, we're just a little bit different, but you know what? Um, the, the, the reason that acetaminophen works on like everybody is because we're all kind of the same. And, And the reason that, I don't know, um, you buy shampoo in the store and they have bulk shampoo is because it works for everybody because we're all pretty much normal. Um, now if you have, uh, uh, if you have dry scalp and you, you have a lot of dander and and what is made for normal hair dries out your scalp, they have a special thing for that. Head and Shoulders makes one. Celsus uh, uh, Blue makes one for for dry hair. Um, you know, my wife she she has colored hair and so she has special shampoo that that is helping for for colored hair. Um, there's things that are out there for you, but but that's it's this isn't. What at what point do we stop and we say, okay, we have gone so far down this rabbit trail that we have forgotten that you know what we are not as unique as we think we are, and and that there is commonality and it's okay to have commonality. Yeah, I would I would agree. We should be growing a thick skin and uh, this, uh, but I would also add to it that we should also be sensitive to others, not necessarily sensitive to ourselves, but sensitive to others. And what uh, the life experiences of other people in our country are different than our life experiences are. Um, I, for one, don't have a feeling of fear and panic whenever I see a police car or a police officer. So to be a little bit more understanding of what it's like to be someone who, when they look at a police officer, they have no idea how that police officer is going to respond to them. But that conversation, I think, is a vastly different conversation than than the conversation that is in society today, because you're you are a hundred percent correct. I I need to be be thinking of my brother and sister. I need to be thinking of my neighbor. 
That only comes through understanding that uh, uh, my Lord has canceled my debt. My Lord has forgiven me, and now I am freed to think of others because I'm no longer thinking of myself. So you're absolutely correct, but that's centered in that's centered in Christ Jesus and the standard of forgiveness, not centered in in we are going to force you to to change by shaming you so that you now uh, understand or or are brought into understanding what it is we want you to understand. That doesn't work, and 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 it's not going to end well. That that's I think yeah, the point. It's I'd, not going to end well. Yeah, we're both in agreement on that. Where the guilt and shame is just not going to. Not going to get there. No. Going to have all these unintended consequences. And, and you're absolutely correct. You know, there are some people in this nation who, who are fearful because of, and, and, it, and, and, and am, I, am I not saying, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. It does. Yeah. It, it, it does. And, and it's bad. I, I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is to fight against racism isn't to cancel everything that you don't agree with. The fight against racism is to open open up all of the eyes through forgiveness of saying we are different than what everyone thinks we are. And and you know, um that is a different approach to how this works. Um, you know, Christians should be the one leading the charge in these ways because we are different. You know, I can stand with an African-American brother in Christ and we are, we are forgiven in Christ. And, and culturally, do we have different things? Yeah, we do. And, and, and that's okay. And, and do I, do I then have an opportunity to place myself and say, my brother and sister, uh, my brother there, he, he's afraid of certain things because culturally he's misunderstood but man, in Christ, I want to try to make that better. I mean, this is this is the commandments that we are looking out for one another. But it's given back as guide, not as as do and do don't do. This is this is in the forgiveness of sins. I can engage with you and I can have these conversations because I'm not any better than you, and and, and you're not any better than me. And and we need to learn to communicate together, and we need to learn to share this love that that God has given to us through through His Son Jesus together, and that's okay. And is that going to be easy? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But but it's okay to to engage in that way. It is not okay. It is not. And and I don't care. I don't care if if they like me saying it or not, or if somebody's going to have a complaint about it or not. It's not okay to say my opinion is better than your opinion therefore you have to be shut down because i don't like what you have to say i I'm, I'm sorry there there that's not okay um that's not christian that that's not um that, that is not the way that god approaches us that is not the way that we are are called to approach someone else that is the sinful nature saying my way is better than your way your way must take the highway. Get out of here. And I am not going to have a conversation with you. And there's never going to be an opportunity for forgiveness unless you come to my side and do what I do and say what I say and act how I act. And, and that's not going to win this. Yeah, right. Yeah. It goes back to what you were saying before where we have an objective standard in God's word, which you've mentioned before about loving your neighbor, the second table of the law given back to us as a guide. Uh, that that's, should be measuring our actions, not our own personal opinions and i think it would be good for us not only just that we have a 
a, a thick skin. Not only are we sensitive to w other people's sit, uh, situation, but also recognizing that each one of us is a part of, is a product of a culture that we grew up in something that is that we think is better <laughs> because that's what we grew up in. Right. Um, but that's the same thing. And even in, and, and for our listeners, just to, to understand it, maybe a better bring it into church. You know, my mom, my mom grew up with the, the old King James. I mean, that's, that was read all the time. King James Bible, that, that, that was the thing. And so she memorized everything, you know, even the Lord's prayer in, in the old King James. And some of our congregations still use the King James version of the Lord's prayer. Some don't. Some people are really offended by that. I mean, like really offended by that. Like we're only, we're going to say the Lord's prayer in the only way that it was given by God. Greek? No, King James. I, I one time, and okay, off on a tangent, but just follow me here. Um, I, I once, I was in, I was doing a shut-in uh, back in South Dakota and um, going to the nursing home and I was doing a Bible study with my shut-ins there at the nursing home and we had a guy who was from another congregation, but he came to visit um, and he said, well, you have a Bible study. Can I come? And I said, absolutely. Everyone's welcome. So he sits down and we started reading. And we were reading from, at that time, we were reading uh, reading from, because it was before the, the ESV had come out, or EHV, sorry, EHV had come out. And uh, we were reading from the Christian Standard Bible. That's what we were reading from, because it was easier for them to understand and sort of get their, it wasn't in-depth, not in-depth, big words, things like that. And we're reading, and, and this gentleman says to me, he goes, uh, he goes, what are you reading from? And, and I said, well, from the Bible. What version are you reading from? And I said, uh, I said the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And he says, uh, he says, uh, I don't, I don't think I can come back to here. Well, why is that? Well, you're not reading from the, from the official inspired Word of God. I kind of knew where this conversation was going, but I said, which one is that? And he said, King James Version. And I said, what language do you think Jesus Christ spoke? And he says, English. And I said, um, I, I think we're kind of misunderstanding something here. You know, but that's because that's what we grew up with, right? And, 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 and like you said, those are the cultural connects that we, we get with each other. We get these cultural connects where, where I feel comfortable in that culture, and therefore we think that culture must be right. Um, that's what makes missionaries so wonderful because missionaries are able to get outside of their own culture and they're able to share Jesus Christ with another culture by amalgamating and living within that culture. Not everyone can do that and it's okay. Now the problem ends up being is when my culture is toted as being better than someone else's culture. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is my Lord is the best because he has given everything for us. And it's given everything for every culture, for all people, for all time. And if you have certain cultural practices that you like, great. And if you have certain fears within your culture because my culture has enacted on you in a certain way, you know what? In love, I need to look at that. I really do. Um, but not because you're forcing me to, but because I love you. Because my Savior loves you. And, and it's worth looking at so that we can come together on something more important than that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it is a great reminder, Will, that you're reminding us of who we are and who we were. We have 
a we have a sinful nature that's got it's a malice factory it's a deceit factory it's a hypocrisy factory it's an envy factory uh it is a, a racist bigoted factory it's just coming out but that's not who we are uh, we are a new creation as paul writes in second corinthians 5 uh, he says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old is gone the new has come and it's a great reminder uh, to me, as I'm talking about that, just I really appreciated those comments of, uh, I want to be sensitive to my own culture and, and recognize how that is perceived by somebody else, not because somebody else is forcing me to, but because I want to share Jesus with somebody else, and I want to share the fact that we both have the same Savior, we both have the same forgiveness, we both have the same heaven, which, by the way, I can't wait to go to heaven and have all of these different cultures portrayed together and not have one culture be dominant over the other ones. Like, what what is that going to look like in heaven where we're going to have all these different cultures, all these different uh, ways of worshiping God? Uh, and I think when uh, we think about heaven or we think we read through the book of Revelation, we, we instantly are thinking, well, it's just going to be like what I have on Sunday morning. No, it's not. It's going to be completely different than what you have on Sunday morning because it will be a, an amalgamation of all of these different cultures coming to worship God in the way uh, that the Holy Spirit has enabled them and, and moved them to worship him. And it's going to be just plain awesome to see all these different things. How boring is heaven if it's going to be uh, uh, page 15 out of the TLH? Uh, <laughs> how exciting and uh, culturally rich heaven is going to be with all of these different cultures uh, standing around the throne of God and worshiping him. Isn't that why the Lord says it's gonna, we're going to sing a new song so it's going to be culturally appropriate for everyone? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I am just kidding. But you know, some people don't think singing is going to be heaven because they don't like to sing. So, um, but but you know, I think you're right. I I think I think you know when we look towards heaven and we we look towards we we look towards the 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 barriers that God rips down culturally, and and we see that in the Old Testament and we see that in the New Testament. Um, you know, cancel culture is not a new thing. And cancel culture has been a part of of the world since sin was there. Um, you know, uh, the very first cancel culture. Do, do, do you know what the very first cancel culture is? Very first cancel culture. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cancel culture. Um, Cain, I don't like Abel. I canceled him. Um, <laughs> um, and now, Cain, now Abel's blood cries out. Um, but that—that's that's isn't that what we're talking about? It's cancel culture. I don't I don't like I don't like Cain or Abel's attitude. I don't like what he did. I don't like the fact that he was accepted. I don't fill in the blank. Um, I w- I'm going to take extreme measures because I feel more comfortable in this and, and doing that. Um, but but it got worse and it definitely gets worse. Um, I mean, you could go back to to the heresies of the church and, and look at the times where they they wrestled with that. Um, you know, not to, to bring up another topic in the last few minutes that we have, but but just to say, you know, there is um, Marconianism, which is a second uh, century heresy that deals with people struggling with the cancel culture that handle that that was in the old testament they felt there was a different god and a different set of people that god had called and that it wasn't right because it wasn't as forgiving and and so they canceled the old testament just said we're not going to follow it it's a heresy it's not true marcionism is a heresy not the old testament right right oh the old testament is not a heresy but but look in the old testament and see see what god does in the old testament he calls jew and gentile together 
right? Um, you know, even in the dedication of the temple, you have Solomon saying anyone, whether they're a foreigner or not, who, who lifts their, their voices to pray to you, answer them. Um, in the dedication of the temple, what a beautiful prayer for, for the, the wonderful nature that goes beyond culture of our Lord in calling us to himself. Um, the fact that you have many, many people who are sinners and, and foreigners who are in the line of Christ. Um, you know, you think about, you know, how, how in his human line, as, as you go down towards Mary, um, just there's there's a beauty here in in the Lord saying that there is no Jew or Greek, right? There is those who believe and those who don't, those who are who are found in the blood of Christ and those who have rejected the blood of Christ. Um, and if you're found in the blood of Christ, I love you, and and I'm gonna try to work with you. Um, and and we might not always agree on every little thing culturally, but we agree on the standard by which things are truly gauged. And, and, and that goes beyond my culture that, that goes beyond your culture. Um, and, and it goes beyond, it goes beyond what I am comfortable with most often because I'm not comfortable with it, but that's okay. I, I, I mean, being a Christian isn't about being comfortable. It's about growing and growing is not comfortable. Um, and that's a tough thing to get your hand around and, and, and tough thing to understand. That's an excellent point. And uh, do we have more time? or do We, we, want to we got about, about like three three minutes. Three minutes. So yeah. in three minutes, Will, can you answer the question? This is your question, and I wanted you to answer it. Is, uh, is the, um, in what way, oh, uh, I can't, oh. When, what if, what of the church or of the Bible will be canceled if we live out our callings? You know, if we, if we live out our calling, um, if we truly live out our calling in Christ, what will be canceled will be our inability to grow. Um, the word remains, but, but how we share that word can change. Um, and sometimes I think in the church we get so set in our cultural ways that we, we have to do things in this way and then we, we list the ways that, w- that we, we fail to we, we fail to convey the word and the packaging that it needs to be conveyed in the society in which we live. Um, and I think that's going to change over time. We saw a little bit of it when, when we had the lockdowns of churches and, and all of a sudden God's word had to be given over the airwaves. And we had to find new ways to give communion to those uh, other than standing up in front of the altar. Um, and now we're giving to them in parking lots and drive-through communions and, you know, all these interesting ways that we're, we're figuring it out. Um, you know, this is, this, is, this is a growth opportunity that God is giving the church to, to change what we have been comfortable with. Not change the message, not change the gospel, not change the word because that is forever. But, but to change the culture of the church, because the culture of the church is not the scripture. The, the culture of the church is the things that, like the German culture for the German churches and the African-American churches that have an African-American culture. Um, those are the cultures, and, and maybe those need to change and, and be more understanding of, of what's out there. That's my thought. Um, and I don't know if that answers the question very well, 
But well, it's your own question. I you're know. Answering your own question after the whole podcast of filtering what everything we talk to just discuss. Just together. because I ask a question doesn't mean I can answer it. <laughs> but I, but I think I, I, I think when you come back down to it, the the ultimate the ultimate question that needs to be answered is, um, more broad than that, and and maybe you can lead us out with this. Is cancel culture necessarily wrong, or or is it good? Um, and so I'll let you lead that. I'll let you lead us out with that. All right. Well, cancel culture is good in that our it displays that we have consciences that are working. We each person has a conscience, but we learn in confirmation that our conscience isn't always working correctly, and so it needs a standard by which to operate. And and so we are as Christians, we are offering the world a different standard, not a standard of. Uh, of what's going on inside of our our minds and hearts, what 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 we're feeling, or what what offends us, or what offends somebody else, but the standard is God's word, which looks at each individual and says that is a soul that Jesus died for, and that is our neighbor. Uh, we look at someone who's vastly different from us, and we say that's my neighbor. I'm going to love them. Um, that's the standard that the Christianity has. Um, the other way that the cancel culture can be good if it leads to actual absolution, because we looked at today that absolution is really the only pathway for growth in the individual. Uh, shame and guilt is something that will help, might change their behavior, but what's going to change their heart? What's going to make them uh, less racist or less of a bigot is a new creation, and that new creation can only become come to that individual through Christ. So as we finish off with 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Thanks for joining us here on Casting Nets, Real Life, Living Faith.